Turn in your Bibles, if you would be please, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And while you're turning, a lion met a tiger as they drank beside the pool. Said the tiger, please tell me why you're roaring like a fool. That's not foolishness, said the lion with a twinkle in his eyes. I'm called the king of beasts because I advertise. A rabbit heard them talking, ran home like a streak. He thought he'd try the lion's plan, but his roar was just a squeak. A fox came to investigate, had lunch in the woods. The moral is when you advertise, be sure you got the goods. That's why I tell people, I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy that ain't so very smart. And when I talk, I get mixed up. My gears are hard to start. It seems I don't have many brains like other folks I know. And when it comes to society, my dumbness there I show. But I found it don't take brains, my friend, the best in life to gain. It's not your wealth, what you are, prestige you might obtain. It only takes just simple faith, eternal life to find. No matter who or where you stand, there's grace for all mankind. I went down to the jailhouse once to witness for the Lord. I told them how the Lord saved me. They sure looked mighty bored. They nudged each other and they smiled. They thought that I was dumb. But they stayed in and I walked out when leaving time had come. So I'm still just a dumb old Kentucky boy and I hope I'll always be just smart enough to trust the Lord for all eternity. So I'll just keep traveling on a few brains and not real smart. I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy with Jesus in my heart. What a privilege it has been for Miss Judy and I to have been in this missions conference at Landmark Baptist Church. And to all my young friends here tonight, thinking about a lady by the name of Mary Baker. Mary Baker came from a missionary family. She was a little girl, about some of you girls' age. And an older missionary lady had been in Africa as a missionary, and she was up in years, and she could not go back. And she said, children, I wonder who's going to take my place and go back to Africa and be a missionary. And the question just sort of hung there. And little Mary Baker, in her heart, she said, I can take her place. I'll be a missionary. And Mary Baker never got over that. She got through school, college, wanted to get married, but the guy wasn't going to be a missionary, so she didn't marry him. She went to Africa and gave her life. And I had the privilege of going up to Bradenton in Florida to her funeral. And she was buried in a very simple coffin, not even a nice coffin that comes down and you crank it and it seals it. It had like a, a little wooden top that came down and just a little clasp that held it down. But what a woman. I have her book. It's called The Calling. It would be wonderful if all you young girls could find that book and read that book. Now, this is a missions conference. A missions conference is a Baptist business meeting to determine the fate of the heathen. What are we going to do about our text behind us? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew said, go do it. Mark said to go do it. Luke said to go do it. John said to go do it. 
Acts said to go do it. Now, if you put all those together, you find out if you go do it, he'll go with you. And if you go do it, he'll give you protection. And if you go do it, he'll give you some promises. And if you go do that, he will give you peace. And if you will go do that, he will give you power. That's what all five of those Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts tells us about. Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 28, this is a very interesting story. The Bible says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly after But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And then a little later, he leaves the island and goes to Rome. May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And before I pray and ask you to pray with me, may I give you three quick facts about God. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. May I say to our missionaries that are here tonight, all those who have been on the platform, the missionaries, I have a $2 bill here. I have more than one. I want to give all the missionaries a $2 bill. I will give it to you. Rather than taking the time right now, after the service, I'll be out back. You come. I will give you your $2 bill. And let me just say to each one of you that's going to get the $2 bill, if you keep it, you'll never be broke. If you need to spend it, you're welcome to. But what I would ask when you look at this $2 bill, would you ask the Lord God if he would bless Don and Judy Strange? And you can have, I wish I could give all of my young friends here today a $2 bill. I cannot, but I just want you to know that Winchester, Kentucky, my hometown, I was born in this town. And the people of Winchester, Kentucky and Clark County needs all of the light that God has put in your heart. You could be a missionary in Winchester, Kentucky. In Clark County, you don't have to go to another country. Just be a light, a witness, someone that would tell somebody else. Now, let me tell you how you do this. This is how a testimony works. It's very simple. In just a moment, if I don't forget, we'll pray. A testimony is you just tell somebody what your life was like before you got saved. I was without God. I was without Christ. I was without hope. I was a bad person. I was a mean person or whatever. Second part is you tell them how you met Jesus. Just a very simple thing. 
Maybe you were sitting in church. Pastor Muncy was preaching, gave an invitation, and you went forward and got saved. Maybe it was in the Sunday school class. Or maybe it was the bus driver. Or maybe it was your mom or dad. Or maybe one of your friends who told you about Jesus. So you tell them what you were like, how you met Jesus, and then tell them how your life has been different since you met Jesus. Since I met Jesus, my life has been different. I have peace. I have happiness and joy. And you want to share that with other folks. So, boys and girls, here's a way you could give your testimony. Just tell them what you were like, how you got saved. Didn't have to be anything big and fancy. And how your life has been different. Now, would you pray with me and for me, please? Dear Father, speak to every heart, have your way in every life. Lord, so far... These young folks have listened so well, and it has been a good service. We've heard from two missionaries speaking about their country and from the word, and we've heard singing. And now, Lord, for the preaching time, and it won't be long, but I pray that you would just arrest our attention and put it upon thee. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul was a great Christian. The Apostle Paul suffered many things because of Christ. And the Lord came to him one night and he said, Paul, just as you have been a missionary and a witness of me in Jerusalem, you will be, you must be a missionary, a witness in Rome. As soon as he said that, boys and girls, there were 40 people, 40 men, 40 that said, we will not eat until we kill Paul. That's pretty amazing. But they didn't kill him. I don't know whether they ate or not, but they didn't kill him. And then later he got arrested. And then he was put on a ship as a prisoner to go to Rome. A prisoner of Jesus Christ to go to Rome. And he got in a storm. And this storm lasted two weeks. They couldn't see the sun by day. They couldn't see the stars by night. They lightened the ship. They were all afraid. And the Bible says all hope that we would be saved was taken away. They had no hope. And then God sent an angel and told Paul, be of good cheer. God's given you all those that sail with you. You're going to make it. You're going to be cast on an island. And then the ship got stuck. Couldn't move. And the waves beat on that ship and it broke up. And the centurion said, if you can swim, swim to shore. If you can't swim, grab a plank, grab, grab a board, grab something and just hang on. And when they got to this island, it was called Melita. There was this huge bonfire. Now, this is not a little fire to roast hot dogs, marshmallows. This is a big, there's 276 men on that ship. And this was a fire big enough to warm them all. And the Bible said that these people showed us no little kindness. They were very gracious to us. They were very kind to us. And the amazing thing is it was raining and it was cold. So you can imagine this big fire would be certainly a welcome thing in their lives. And there were soldiers and there were sailors and there were prisoners in that crowd. You put all that together, got this big fire. They were so kind to these people. I was coming through Michigan the other day, Miss Judy, and there was a sign on the side of the road. A sign that said, do not pick up hitchhikers. The reason for that, there was a prison in that area. They didn't know but what somebody would have escaped from the prison and out there hitchhiking. And you pick up a, what you thought was just a simple hitchhiker and he was a bad person. So don't, don't be kind here is what they were saying. 
And so here are these people are building this big fire. But there's a principle. Boys and girls, this is the principle. If you have a fire and you don't put any wood on it or any fuel on it, it's going to go out. Everybody understand that? So there's this big fire. The Apostle Paul, he's being warmed by this fire. He understands a principle. If there is no wood, that fire is going to go out. So the Apostle Paul, missionary, preacher, theologian, God's man, he goes and he picks up sticks. And what he doesn't understand is snakes, the old sneaky snake. There was a snake, they're cold-blooded. And this snake was over there and he was about half frozen and he wasn't moving. And Paul thought it was a stick and he picked up the snake thinking it was a stick, put it on the shoulder with the other bundle of things that he had. And when he got close to this huge fire, all of a sudden it's warm. Now this snake starts coming alive and he gets up close to throw this bundle of sticks. All of these sticks throw out except one. And all of a sudden that stick grabbed him right on the hand. And he's standing there. He's got this snake hanging down from his hand. And the people say, this guy's a murderer. He's going to die. But he doesn't die. And he shakes this snake off into the fire and he lives. And then they said, he must be a god. Now, here's the point from reading this story. My grandson was being taught by my wife. And it was fourth grade stuff. Fourth grade. And he learned about a metaphor. A metaphor is something that is used to describe something else. For example, I'm saying that this fire is a metaphor. It's something that I'm using to describe something else. And what I'm using this metaphor of the bonfire to describe, it is Landmark Baptist Church and your mission emphasis. The Apostle Paul was enjoying this fire. It's cold. It's raining. He's, got in, he's getting warmed by it. Now, he did not start that fire. It wasn't his fire. But he was enjoying that fire. As well as the rest of the people, they were enjoying that fire. Now, some years ago, somebody, God put it in their heart to start Landmark Baptist Church. And a gospel fire has been burning here. It is a place where people can come out of the old, cold, cold world and have their lives touched and have their hearts warmed and blessed by the fire that is here. Now, some people, they see that if we're going to keep this fire going. Now, I want you to understand that they do not let you turn the lights on here free. Uh, you have to pay for electricity. You have to pay for water. You have to pay for, you have to pay for the songbooks. You have to pay for the instruments. It costs to do those kinds of things. You understand that? And the fire's been burning, and you've been coming. If I were to ask you, how many of you have come to Landmark Baptist Church and you've gotten saved here? A number of you probably would raise your hand. This fire's been good for you, and you have children. Some of those children are here tonight. And your children have come to this fire. 
Some children come and their parents don't come. They ride the bus in or they come with somebody else. But they like what happens over here and they're being blessed by it. They're being warmed by it. And so they come. If you're not going to pick up sticks to keep the fire going, at least don't try to put it out. You know, there are some people walk around with a bucket of water just looking for an opportunity. Or they go over here stomping here and there or take a blanket and put it on it and just trying to put the fire out. Do you realize if this church were to be gone, extinguished, put out, there would be something missing in Winchester, Kentucky? There would be something missing in Clark County, in my hometown, my home county. Everybody who lives in Winchester or Clark County, whether they know it or not, needs the fire of Landmark Baptist Church. I'm not saying we're the only fire here, but there are not a lot of fires. There are not a lot of fires where you could go and get warmed by the gospel there. And so Paul was doing what he could. You know, when you come over here and you clean the place up, when you straighten things up, when you help decorate for missions conference, the meals that we've had here have just been excellent Monday night, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And somebody had to prepare those meals. Somebody had to put up those tables. Somebody had to cut this. Somebody had to fix that. Somebody has to do all of these things. All of these things that you do is picking up a stick and throwing it on the fire at Landmark Baptist Church. If there's going to be a missions conference, there's going to have to be somebody who's going to pick up some sticks. Somebody had to invite these people and see that they were taken care of. There are a lot of people that need to pick up a lot of sticks to keep the fire going at this place for a missions conference. Remember, a missions conference is a Baptist business meeting to determine the fate of the heathen. Are we going to take the gospel to the world? Who's going to do that? It's people, by and large, that come out of local churches, which is like a gospel fire where their lives have been enriched by those places. And so here is this gospel fire burning on this island and people are enjoying it. But when you do that, did you notice that the snake bit Paul? Do you know who the snake is in the Bible? Well, in Genesis 3, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. It was a serpent, but it was more than a serpent. In Revelation 12 and Revelation 20, now that old serpent, the devil and Satan, that's who the serpent is. And the devil loves, when you get a fire going, the devil would love to put it out. And if he bites you, he might bite you. By the way, where did he get bitten on his body part? This young man's got it right. He's his hand. It was his hand. Have you ever thought about the hand in the Bible? If you've got a hand, hold one of them up. Now, now you can take it down. Now hold the other one up. I just want to see if you could do that. Okay, you're fine. He bit him on the hand. Have you ever thought about the hand in the Bible? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 2 that when Paul and Barnabas went over to Galatia, they gave the right hands of fellowship to them. Right hands of fellowship. How many of you have had your hand shaken tonight? It was empty probably, wasn't it? Saying, look, I'm friendly. This is, I don't have a gun in my hand. I don't have a knife. I don't have anything to hurt you. Just friendly shake. But the devil loves to get people so they don't fellowship. He'd love to have people over on this side of the church, not speaking to people over on this side of the church, and vice versa. People used to fellowship together, and they get mad at each other, some little old stupid thing. And they get mad so they don't want to talk to anybody else, don't want to be friendly. 
But then how about this one in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Do you realize if this fire is going to keep going, if this is going to be a missionary fireplace right here, you got to make sure that there's somebody who's praying, who is seeking the Lord. You know, you, you haven't done everything until you prayed. And when you pray, and God has given us some wonderful prayer promises. How about this one? Ask. And you shall receive. Seek and you shall knock and it shall be open unto you. Anybody can ask. How would you like for the Lord to say to you, what can I do for you? Did you know the Lord said that to a couple guys? What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. He said, okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. And all of a sudden their eyes were opened. God just wants us to ask. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is, is it not true with God all things are possible? They are possible. He's just looking for somebody who would believe him. And then the Bible says, And whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. You used to serve God, and then you quit serving God because you let the devil bite your hand. And there are people, I live in Florida, there are people from up north that come down to Florida and they get to the Florida line and before they get to Interstate 10, which is about 35, 40 miles in, they've already thrown out their Sunday school teaching and their youth working and their bus driving and their this and that. And they've said, I'm through with all of that. I'm still, I'm still going to go to church, but I'm going to let younger people do all that. Now, I realize when you get older, things change, but don't quit. Just keep on serving. You may do it in a different capacity, but you can do something. You want to help the fire keep going. Now, I like this one. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing in giving of alms, in giving. Do you realize, by the way, the Bible has a lot to say about money. A lot to say about money because your money is you. It's a product of your labors and so forth. And it takes money to send out missionaries. It takes money to run churches with all the various aspects of ministry. And so God wants his people to support the work. God wants you to put your, your life into what you believe. And so when you give, you are keeping the fire going. A congressman took his 10-year-old son into McDonald's. And he said, son, we're going to go to McDonald's and I'm going to buy you a supersized order of French fries because you like them. So his father, congressman, he bought a supersize of French fries. He took his son, he went over and he sat down. And the father smelled those fries. And they smelled good. So dad, he put his hand over to take a French fry. And his 10-year-old son said, dad, those are mine. Dad pulled his hand back and he said, my son has an attitude problem. But he said, at that moment, God showed me the greatest lesson on stewardship that I had ever learned. And that's this. He said, first of all, my son forgot where those French fries came from. I bought them. Secondly, he doesn't know it, 
but I could take all those French fries away from him right now or I could go buy 20 more supersizes of French fries and bury him in French fries if I wanted to. And number three, my son doesn't realize I don't need his French fries. I have enough money in my pocket. I can go buy all the French fries I want and I'll sit on the other side of the restaurant and eat them by myself. Do you realize everything you have God gave you? He gives you this and he says, now, give 10% back to me. You keep 90, give me 10. What a deal. And when you say, those are mine, he said, no, who gave you that? And then he could say, don't you understand? I could take this all away from you if I wanted to. Or I can give you a whole lot more. And I don't even need what you got. But the Bible teaches us to give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. I told you on Monday night about my granddaughter. She was about nine years old, about the size of you girls here. And she came up to me on the platform on a Sunday afternoon. She said, Grandpa, did you get that letter I left on your desk? And I said, no, Audrey, I didn't. She said, I left you a letter there. And we were raising some money for some project. I think it was a building fund or something. And so I said, I'll go see it. I went over to the office, and there on my desk was a letter. And it said, from Audrey to Grandpa, this is for the building fund. And there was a penny, a penny, taped to that letter. And there was a P.S. P.S. There's a whole lot more where that came from. I want you to understand that one penny raised thousands of dollars in our church. Other kids, one kid brought a piggy bank in and somebody else brought, even adults. And they made me put a little note, P.S., there's a whole lot more where that came from. You know, young people, I hope right now as a young kid, you'll learn to be a giver. I want to be a giver. You know, God will give more through you than he will to you. But God wants to give to you and then he wants to give through you. You can learn that as a kid. I hope every kid that goes to Landmark Baptist Church, whether you ride the bus, whether you don't ride the bus, if this is your church, I hope you'll get one of those faith promise cards and you'll put something on it and then ask God to help you to do it. One little kid, he got a faith promise card and uh, he was about seven or eight. And he put on there that he would give 50 cents a week. And then he wrote a little note. He said, my dad will pay this. <laughs> now, the point is, when you and I sign up, we can say, my dad's going to pay this. My father's going to pay this. He wants us to learn to be a giver. And you can learn to be a giver. And just give. But the devil loves to bite people's giving hands, so you quit giving. Let me give you one more. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is talking about put on the whole armor of God. And he talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take the shield of faith wherewith you shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And then he said, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you wield it wisely. 
the Bible is like a sword and he is talking about you take it and put it in your hand. Did you know the devil would love to bite your Bible reading hand? So you don't read the Bible. You know, what is the difference between not having a Bible and having a Bible and never reading it? You got a Bible, read it. The Bible was written so that an eighth grader could understand the Bible. There have been a lot of children have heard the gospel truth that they're a sinner. They've done bad things. Jesus is the Savior. He died for those bad things called sin. And if we would call on his name, if we would just trust him, he would save us. You can learn a lot of good things, boys and girls, in the Bible. There's some, there are some wonderful things in this book. I have a friend who was a prison guard. He was a preacher working his way through college. And he was told when he went to work at his prison guard. Now, we know you're a preacher. You cannot take your Bible into that prison. But if you have a Bible verse memorized and they ask you something about the Bible, you're welcome to talk to them. And so after a while, they would ask him questions. And if he didn't know the answer, he'd go home and find a Bible verse and he'd memorize it. So the next time he got asked, he could say what the Bible says, and he would quote what the Bible says. And they called him preacher man. So don't be embarrassed if somebody calls you preacher man, young boy, when you let people know that you're a Christian. It's okay. And they would call him preacher man. And he said he was always looking for ways to tell people about the Lord and bring up conversation. And he said one day he walked into the jail cell where he was working. And he said there was a white-haired man who was sitting over on the edge of the bed and he had an open Bible in his hand. And the preacher man, my friend, he walked in and he said, uh, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now that's a Bible verse from the book of Acts. And that old man looked up to my friend, the preacher man, he said, Yes, Mr. Preacher Man, I'm afraid I do understand. And sometimes I wish I didn't. He said, what's this? He said, Mr. Preacher Man, I was an independent Baptist preacher. And one day I thought I could get away with some things. And he said, as a result, I lost my, I lost my reputation. I lost my church. I lost my family, and now here I am sitting in this prison cell. And he said, you know, preacher man, the saddest part about it all is I know exactly when it started. He said, really? When? He said, preacher man, it all started the day I decided to put my Bible down. He said, preacher man, I understand you get to preach to a lot of young people. Yes, I do. He said, I'm going to tell you my story and you have my permission to tell it wherever you go. And he said, I told that man's story and I wrote a little poem when I put my Bible down. May I read this to you? There was a man of God who sat in a prison cell. He had preached the word of God. Everyone had known him well. Now he sits with his head bowed. He hardly makes a sound. Because one day he decided 
to put his Bible down. His cellmates, they all wondered why to prison he did go if he had done his best for Jesus. Why is his head so low? They asked, why are you here, Christian? As they gathered round, the man then told this story. I put my Bible down. I thought that it was harmless to skip a day or two. Of reading my devotions, I had other things to do. Then my new nature grew weak and the devil came to town. I could not win the battle because I'd put my Bible down. I did not know how to fight him. I did not know what to say. For I had not read God's word or took the time to pray. Oh, I went on serving Jesus. How godly I did look. But I did not have the power that comes from God's dear book. So now I sit in prison. An inmate just like you. My reputation is all ruined. My preaching days are through. That's why my head is held down and my face wears a frown. Because I regret that day, I put my Bible down. Oh, Christian, hear the message from this man's prison cell. There are children who need a leader. There are sinners going to hell. There are blessings to obtain. We must win the victor's crown. May you never have to say the words. I put my Bible down. Don't let the devil bite your Bible reading hand. Be in it every day. I settled that long time ago. I decided that I was going to read something in the Bible every day. A good place to start would be in the book of Proverbs. Today is day 10. So today was the 10th chapter. And when you read the 10th chapter in Proverbs every day for a month, that's the wisdom book. God will give you wisdom. And then you read in the Bible And uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Listen to this. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, you learn in the Bible things like this. And you learn about missions conference. And you learn about how to tell people how to be saved. May God help you to keep the fire going. Keep the fire going at Landmark Baptist Church. You pray for pastor. You pray for those Sunday school teachers and the workers and the people in leadership and the people who who do things here to keep this fire going. And you do what you can to keep the fire going. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's a fire, gospel fire, burning at Landmark Baptist Church. That's why they do missions conferences. That's why they spend money to get the gospel out around the world. That's how you can help. You want to start at home. If you have never been saved. On May the 7th, 1962, in the United States Navy, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He changed my life. There are others here that could say the same thing. He changed your life. But if you're here, you've never been saved. Why not tonight? Why not tonight? Is there somebody here tonight say, Brother Strange, God's spoken to my heart. God's been dealing with my heart about salvation. Would you just slip your hand up and let me see it? Anybody? Just slip your hand up. Take it right back down. Anybody? God bless you, little fella. Anybody? God bless you too, buddy. Lord, I pray for these that you would touch their hearts, young hearts. And draw them to Christ. Then let me ask. 
what are you doing at Landmark Baptist Church to keep the fire going? Do you just come and sit and soak and sour? Or do you come and sit, stand, sing, and serve? Be a part. Keep the fire going. Pastor, you come.